evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls brought to you by the beautiful game network at BGN.FM and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. I forgot to say championship last week. Tonight, we're going to be recapping a uh, gutsy win over Nashville. Uh, we're going to talk to Kyle Zayetz, midfielder with the New York Red Bulls 2. We've also got uh, the Birmingham backline zone, Glenn Stevens, joining us to help us preview the match this weekend against the Birmingham Legion. And we're going to do a preview of that match ourselves and a little USL roundup. Joining me tonight, it's Bill Toomey. Hello, Bill. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I was happy to see that Red Bulls 2-1 against Memphis at home, and it was my birthday too, so even though I missed the game, it was uh, it was a good result. I called them Nashville in the intro. Man, I am the worst. Did you? I didn't even <laughs> notice. <laughs> yes, Memphis 901. We didn't beat Nashville. It was Memphis 901. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> We're getting some good content tonight for our blooper reel. Professional. We're just keeping the show. Yeah. Know? It's all yeah. part of it. <laughs> Unfiltered. I meant I meant to do all that. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that match. Uh, Tom Barlow, Jared Stroud, Derek Etienne getting the goals on the night. It was a little bit hectic at times. Uh, they tried out a new formation, which uh, was sort of that 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Uh, it didn't always work. Sometimes it did. Obviously, the offense did pretty well. Uh, but defensively, they struggled a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the game, it's pretty uneventful. And then... You know, they get right in behind the back line and there's nobody in the back, <laughs> you know, to yeah. uh, defend the goal. And there's really no way to stop that for Evan Loro. So it was a perfect, you know, cross and easy goal for for them to get. So uh, I thought that was going to kind of set the tone of the night. Uh, I mean, in some ways, it really did. Uh, the Red Bulls came out swinging. They uh, created some opportunities, but they didn't look that sharp in the final third. Not that uh, surprising. I think just in general, teams take a little bit to settle into matches. Uh, but Memphis weathered that early storm, and their first couple of spells of possession uh, after that, they, they created some danger. And I thought they did a good job of move, moving the ball laterally and sort of... Um, uh, taking the Red Bulls out of their press. And they got caught a couple times with that, that pass to the back post, which is how that uh, opening goal originated. Um, and, you know, Memphis, when they were able to control, I thought they did a really nice job uh, exposing, you know, some of the limitations of the press uh, for the Red Bulls. Uh, but they sat back after that, which I thought was kind of surprising. Uh, you know, they really had the game in the driver's seat after that goal because the Red Bulls got sort of shook up uh, and then they took their foot off the gas and that allowed the the Red Bulls to climb back in. Beautiful goal by Jared Stroud, a pass from Ben Mines. Ben ended up leaving the match uh, injured uh, shortly thereafter, but we, we spoke to him after the match. It was just more of a precaution than anything. He seems like he's okay. Uh, and what a beautiful volley from Jared Stroud. That might be uh, goal of the season, or do you think it's too early to, to say that? That too, volley. I mean, it was perfect. Too early to say, but it was. It was a perfectly hit volley. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It's not something you would expect to see at a Red Bulls 2 game, but then last year we saw a lot of crazy stuff that I always like to talk about. So who knows what's in store for the rest of the season with what we saw last week. Very true, very true. And then uh, shortly thereafter, Tom Barlow cleaning up the mess in the box. Uh, the two strikers up top, Brian White, Tom Barlow, not always on the same page, uh, but I thought that they did create enough danger. This is a perfect example. Uh, uh, Brian White makes a great run across the six-yard box uh, to meet a low cross. That in itself drew a defender out. It forced the goalkeeper to try to make a reaction. Uh, he spills the ball out. Tom Barlow cleans it up. That's the kind of stuff you want to see with the two-forward system. Yeah, exactly. And from what we've seen so far from Tom Barlow, he's always... He's kind of almost like hungry in a way to get the ball and take as many shots as he can get and try to score as many goals as he can. Oh, especially since uh, he was particularly wasteful in, in games one and two. Uh, yes. But yeah, he's, he's growing into it. I think he's, you know, he and Brian White uh, definitely need to learn uh, that role, that dual striker role up top. Uh, but John said that or John Wolinek said that it was um, important to get both of those guys out there and really try to maximize opportunities. Now, the other side of that was, like we said, you know, there were times where the midfield really struggled uh, to keep control of the match. Uh, Chris Lima, I thought, had a, an okay game. But again, 
when you don't have that additional support, it really puts a lot of uh, pressure on those two central guys to make sure that they're really responsible in their movements forward and uh, how clean they're passing the ball. And that's where I thought they had some difficulties. Yeah, and it almost felt like Jared Stroud was uh, was playing up forward um, a bit instead of the instead of the midfield. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of you know struggles a bit in the midfield as well, and uh, kind of contributes to the struggle in the midfield for sure. Yeah, and I again I think that's all part of the learning process for him. So right. I, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe in the future. Um, uh, if if it's gonna just be the two central midfielders, keep Jared uh, more into that wide position uh, instead of having him sort of cut in underneath. But you know, it's a work in progress. And then the last goal, Derek Etienne comes into the match for injured Ben Mines early on. Uh, created danger, but you know maybe was a little uh, trigger shy at times. There was a one moment I could think of late in the match uh, where he probably has an open goal. Uh, but hesitates because there's a defender coming across and kind of breaks up the opportunity. Uh, but what a sweet goal, uh, a vintage Derek Etienne goal from him uh, at right. the, towards the end of the match, or well, in the 55th minute. Uh, and uh, what was cool about that goal, too, is, you know, you can see him. He does his crazy dribble, like, right before he, he takes the shot and just the way it, it hit the net there in the corner. I was like, that that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was sweet. It was that that footwork and the willingness to take guys on is something that uh, we always love to see from Derek and we don't necessarily see at the MLS level. So it was good to see him kind of do that. There was also a moment, I don't know if it was, uh, there was a, a pass that he played. I want to say it was to Tom Barlow uh, and it did not result in a goal, but it was towards the, the, Towards the end, right? I think it was towards the end. Where a defender came up to pressure Derek as the ball was coming out to him, and like I could just see in his mind that like he got very excited about the fact that a defender was uh, playing him too tight as the ball was coming into space. You saw him change uh, his speed and you know essentially leave the defender in the dust and play a perfect early cross to Tom Barlow, but you know. Uh, a little bit of a sloppy touch and it doesn't necessarily come to anything, but that's the kind of thing I want to see from Derek Etienne uh, when he plays in MLS is, is to be a little bit more bold than, than we're used to. Yeah. is the ability really to have that ball control and, you know, pass it out at the, at the right time there. Cause he's done that a lot playing for Red Bull two over the years. Even if you look back to, you know, when they won the championship, yeah, that's especially. the old Etienne that we're, you know, used to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it could be a confidence thing, too, but it, it was just good to see in this match. Uh, let's get or wait uh, very quickly. We'll talk about the two goals they gave up. Uh, the first one we mentioned before. The second one was a, a set piece. Not really a whole lot Evan Laurel can do there. I think he was expecting the ball to go to the near post. It doesn't. Uh, but Mark Birch put so much pace on it, even though he got his hands to the free kick. Uh, it was really impossible for him to keep it out. Yeah, it's it's almost like if you're playing FIFA, it's one of those goals you try to hit and you never can, and then it just you know you see it happen, and you're like, wow, that's a pretty awesome set piece. Yeah. Uh, on the call for the Red Bulls two on the night, uh, former Red uh, Raising Bulls guest Saji Hot, uh, I think that is his broadcast debut. Congrats! They've had a lot of great uh, players slash ex players uh, do the the Red Bull two call, and uh, that tradition continues with Saji Hot. Way to go, Saji! Uh, man of the match, who you got? Uh, for me, it's kind of easy pick in this game just because of Jared Stroud. Uh, the way he played and also that volley goal was uh, definitely the goal of the game for me. So I'm going to pick Jared Stroud as my man of the match. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Jared Stroud, way to go. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> even though this is a short first segment, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Kyle Zayetz. So stick around. And we're back. We're joined now by one of the newest members of the New York Red Bulls 2 midfielder. Uh, midfielder. Pfft, midfield. It's Kyle Zayetz. Hello, Kyle. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Uh, you got to make, well, not exactly your debut because you've played for the team before, but you got to make your debut this season as a full-fledged member of the New York Red Bulls too. Uh, this past week, uh, Friday against Nashville. Talk us uh, through that 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 appearance. How did everything feel out there, and uh, what what did you learn from the experience? Um, it was an exciting experience. It's something I've been uh, working hard on through preseason and through the beginning of the season, just uh, waiting for my opportunity, working hard. And when that came, I was excited. I got put into a pretty hectic game, so I had to adjust pretty quickly, but I was happy to see the win out. And, I mean, I think the game settled down a little bit uh, after your appearance. Uh, there were still some nervy moments, but uh, what, did, what did John talk to you about before you came in? Was it part of trying to calm down uh, things in the center of the pitch a little bit? Because, as you mentioned, it did get a little hectic at times. Yeah, I was... Uh try to calm it down, try to get some passes together. They were playing a lot of long balls, so one of my main jobs was to pick up second balls and take some pressure off the back line. And in in the past, has that been your sort of role within the academy? I mean, we'll talk about uh, you entering the academy in a little bit, but uh, was that always kind of your role? Were you a little bit further up the field and now uh, coming into uh, Red Bulls 2, you're playing a little bit further back as like a 6 or an 8? Um, yeah, in the academy, I kind of had more license to go forward. I played more as an eight and sometimes even as a, a 10, but, uh, with Red Bull two, I've been playing as a six and, uh, I enjoy it. That's something I did in my last few years at Georgetown. So it's something I've become pretty used to. Uh, walk us back then to the academy. Uh, you started with the academy at what, at 13? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so I started with their regional development camps. There were a couple that were near me, and I got noticed through that, and they invited me to come play with the academy. So I started out with U13, and I played that all the way up until my freshman year of college. And prior to to getting to the academy, was it mostly rec league or travel soccer for you? Uh, yeah, I played on my local travel team, and I spent three years with the beach side which at the time was Premier, but they've made the transition to Academy. And in that growing experience, did you have any particular mentors that kind of helped you along? Um, at Travel Soccer, uh, Mickey Cuddy's kind of ran both my town's travel and Premier teams. So he was always uh, a good influence. And along the way, I had many different coaches. I didn't really have a coach for more than one or two years. I think that's just kind of how it worked with the clubs I was at. But I still had a lot of positive influences, and a lot of them I still keep in touch with today. And when you joined the academy, what was the biggest difference from uh, for you from what you had experienced beforehand? Uh, I think it was just a different level because the academy, they kind of plucked all the best couple kids from the surrounding academy. So it was almost like you were joining an all-star team. And so there was that transition. You had to get ready to everyone, get up to everyone else's level of play. And uh, so what year was that? That was 2013? Is that correct? Uh, I believe it might have been earlier than that. Oh. <laughs> Maybe 2011. I don't have yeah, your age off the top of my head. It's been a long time. So uh, when you then when you joined the academy, uh, it was a really different landscape in terms of what happened to, to guys who graduated for the from the academy, right? Yeah, so a lot has changed since then. I think there's more of a clear path from the academy to USL and the first team now than there was when I was in it. Do you remember that change kind of happening, or or what were your thoughts? Uh, prior to kind of seeing what's in place now, where so many of these academy kids uh, like yourself are, are graduating and going on to uh, either Red Bulls 2 or other teams around USL uh, or even MLS? Um, yeah, so before my U18 year was the first year that they had the USL team. And so that was the first year they started kind of integrating academy players into their pro teams. But before that, it was almost like the first team was kind of this like really high kind of separate team because we also didn't have the training facility. So there wasn't that clear connection between academy, USL, and first team, and we were kind of 
even more segregated from them. And, you know, not to mention that there were a couple of guys who had come through and maybe not really uh, been able to get onto the field or, or really find their way uh, at MLS, right? Yes. And I think they've adjusted the style of play to fit from the academy through to the USL and the first team. So it kind of makes the transition easier. Did that come from the top down or the bottom up? Which Who was really owning that style first? That was uh, from the top down. Okay. Uh, and then you go on to Georgetown. There's a, a bunch of uh, Red Bull players that uh, <laughs> seem to be making their way from Georgetown and up. Yeah. Uh, who were your teammates there? Um, I played with uh, Alex Mule, Brandon Allen... Keegan Rosenberry of the Colorado Rapids and a bunch of other guys who went professional. Uh, I will note that you called him Alex Mule. Is that a full endorsement of Mule over Mule? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've been calling him. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, I mentioned that you did make your debut as a full Red Bull Two player uh, this past Friday. Uh, but you had your first debut, and ironically, that was uh, my uh, press box debut against Rochester uh, back in what, it was 2015. Is that right? Yes. Yes. What What were the sort of differences between then and now? Obviously, you played that game, I think it was 90 minutes, uh, and it was still such early days for Red Bull 2 that uh, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect from the squad. Yeah, that was that was a very different experience than what I had this Friday. That was a, I was only training with them for maybe a week and a half prior to that, and John came up to me and I thought he was going to tell me that maybe I wasn't going to play or I was going to start on the bench, but he actually mentioned that I would be starting that game, and I was definitely a little surprised, but I was ready for it, and uh, it was an incredible experience in the arena, and something I'll never forget. And that was against Rochester, right? Yes. The team that ended up being sort of the bogey team for Red Bulls, too. And a physical match, especially for a younger guy out there. Uh, did you feel at all intimidated by you know their presence in the match? I think I was definitely, I mean, a little nervous at the beginning. It's a big arena against good competition, a pro league. But eventually you just got to realize that it's another soccer game and kind of relax and settle into it so this season you've you've obviously been with the academy a long time you're used to the style of play uh you've even been with the team before that was that did that make it a more seamless integration uh coming in this time yeah i think there was a level of comfort that was good it was a familiar setting a familiar style of play i knew some of the guys on the team and a bunch of the coaches so I think that made my experience a lot better. And where you're playing now, uh, specifically for Red Bull 2, uh, those are sort of the, the um, maybe maybe the highest bar in the Red Bull system uh, of uh, achievement in order to, to really have success at the MLS level. We've seen it with guys like Tyler and Sean, but we've also seen really talented players like Dan Metzger, uh, maybe not quite uh, be able to ascend that ladder. Is that daunting at all for you as a player? Uh, it is a little bit. I mean, there are a lot of great players in my position, but what I've learned is at this organization that if you're good enough, they'll give you an opportunity. So, yes, there are some very good players ahead of me, but if I keep working hard and I fit the style of play and I play well, then I can get a chance. When you look at the... Uh, this lineup and this roster. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the team's chances overall during the season? I think we have a great chance to uh, finish towards the top of the league and make a good run at playoffs. We've played some good competition in the first three games, and I think we've come together well, got some good results, and got some good performances. So I'm very optimistic. This weekend, you guys take on Birmingham. There's not a ton of uh, film really to go by. Uh, but have you guys started to look at uh, you know some strategy against them, and um, what specifically have you noticed? 
Yeah, we're a team that we don't like to adjust our style of play too much to anyone. So we've made a, one of our goals to do well on the road this year because I know there was a couple struggles last year getting some results on the road. So I think we're just going to come out strong against uh, Birmingham with our style of play and hopefully get a good result. Excellent. Kyle, uh, before we let you go, uh, I wanted to let you know you've been a fantastic guest. We're going to subject you now to the uh, infamous or famous lightning round. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Mario. Favorite team to play as in FIFA? Arsenal. And this is a new one. I'm calling it uh, the Derek Etienne Award. It is for whoever is the worst Red Bull 2 dancer. So in your opinion, who has the worst dance moves uh, at Red Bull 2? Chris Lama. <laughs> okay. We're going to tab we're going to keep track of that throughout the season. We're going to tabulate the results and and give out the reward at, or the award rather at the end of the season. Uh Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. Uh we wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And when we come back, we're going to preview that match. So stick around. And we're back now. We are joined by the co-host of Birmingham Backline. It's Glenn Stevens. Hello, Glenn. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me on. It's really great. We're uh, we're excited. This is a brand new team that we get to visit this weekend. And, you know, it, it's a bit of a blind spot for us. So give us the rundown. Uh, what is Birmingham Legion FC all about? So it's kind of funny um, because we're all kind of really getting – used to this USL with the league and New York Red Bulls part two, we really circled you guys pretty big. On, uh, we're like, oh, um, okay, I guess we got to play these guys now. <laughs> I like that you called them New York Red Bulls part two. That makes it seem like a, uh, a sequel. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, real talk, I mean, y'all, honestly, y'all are great. Not only in MLS, but I mean, the USL team down here, y'all, y'all really have a great organization put together up there. So, when we, but uh, as far oh, as sorry. us, uh, the, no. Uh, but as far uh, honestly, with us, with the Legion, I mean, we're all about just really identifying with the city. One of the biggest things that you'll find with the city of Birmingham is that it's all about just being made in Birmingham. A lot of us here are really prideful of that, and that was one of the biggest things. Whenever the Legion was formed, the Legion is named after, of course, you know, Legion Field, kind of. Uh, right up there with one of the legendary stadiums of college football. You know, we take pride in the history there. And that's why I think signing somebody like Chandler Hoffman, who came from Oak Mountain, which is one of the sub places of the city of Birmingham, that was such a huge signing to us because it was like the front office was saying, this is going to be your team. This is made in Birmingham. And we're going to make sure that we keep that pride in the city in this soccer team whenever we're building it from the ground up. And then how did the city take to that? It it seems like the front office is doing the right things in terms of appealing to a market that doesn't have a ton of attention on it. I know there are a lot of teams that have been, uh, you know, in the region, uh, but maybe this one feels a little bit different. Yeah. And that really just kind of starting with the front office, like people like uh, Morgan Copes, that was, one of the previous owners of the Birmingham Hammers being able to, you know, really see that whenever the ownership group came in, it wasn't just random people coming in and buying in. It was, it was our people saying, you know what, we see that soccer's growing. We want to, we want to take it up a notch. We want to bring it up a notch. And the ownership of the Hammers really appreciated that and saw the vision and they kind of saw the likeness. And so it was a very smooth transition right there. And, Whenever they announced uh, <laughs> when they announced Hoffman, uh, I don't want to. I mean, fangirling is basically what I did, and a lot of <laughs> the city did. Is that we were like, we have been begging and hoping that you were going to choose one of our people. That's why um, you'll probably honestly hear us chanting this Saturday. 
um, a few things where it's like uh, he's one of our own or carry on our native son. Um, we have chants where it's just like we're very prideful in the fact that like they took into uh, they took into consideration that the city loves being behind their heroes, and that's something that the city really understood and grasped with Legion is that we're a uh, we're a very <clears throat> we're a very prideful city, and we hate to see our team lose, and we love to see our team win. Like we find this is a sport that we can finally say is like this is competitive and this is our own. Now I'm through two matches at home, not the best results, but also uh, it's <laughs> it's really early season, and I don't think you know either of those uh, losses is really anything uh, to get up in arms at. How did you feel the team performed? Uh, I mean, it it's about as good as we can expect because the thing that we kind of all realize and the thing that we're trying to help new fans realize as well is just that this team was thrown together um, kind of in the last few months and really the team as a whole was just announced last February. We're still really trying to figure figure it all out and like you're going to see it in the first two games that they're still going to try to figure out their natural tendencies and kind of what people prefer to be on on the ball. But I have to really give it out to the city of Birmingham. I mean, first game, we had over 5,800 people there. Second game, we still had 4,200 people there. I mean, <clears throat> honestly, that's that was big to us, to just be able to see that you know the city is still, despite the result, the city still is um, behind the team. And even we were at uh, what was called Birmingham District Brewing Company this past Saturday, and we had a watch party. And we actually had a really good turnout at the brewery that people wanted to show up to watch the game, even though the game was all the way in Louisville. How did it feel to get your first win on the road? I mean, that that's a hard place to win for any team in the USL. I, I thought it was a lie. I thought it was April <laughs> Fool's. <so. laughs> I, kept, I kept refreshing Twitter. I kept refreshing ESPN. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And like I even saw whenever uh, Wright put the ball into the net, I looked at the time and I was just like, there's no way we're coming away with three points right now. And all of us at the Birmingham back line and with the Magic City Brigade, like you couldn't read our messages because as soon as Wright kicked the ball in, 50 messages were shooting up. We're like, oh, my gosh, like what happened? <laughs> like We were all freaking out. Like we just we're still sitting in a state of euphoria, honestly, that we could go into such a such a formidable place like Louisville and take away three points. Like we never just imagined that could happen. And you were at the brewery when that happened. What was that reaction like there? So unfortunately the brewery was on Saturday night. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately Alabama state laws do not allow breweries to actually be able to um, open up. Sorry. I had a, <laughs> it's a uh, unfortunately breweries around here, um, don't actually open up for a nine o'clock game. Um, they actually don't like us being, uh, having alcohol in us that early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair, fair. I forget about things like that around the country. <laughs> That's why we can't really join to watch EPL too much. <laughs> um, but no, uh, just still, even just the fact that like, even though it was done on Sunday, um, away from a lot of things, we were just, like we were still communicating with one another. We just still all just like we're texting each other. Did that really just happen? Who shot the goal? Like it was a flurry. We were trying to figure out, like, was it right? Was it right? Yes, it was right. All right. Great. Oh, great. And so everybody's just freaking out, trying to figure out like everything that happened and like how it happened. That's got to be, you know, crazy to win there. Cause I think for ripples too, we've, I don't think we've ever won there in Louisville, right, Joe? It's been I think, I it's think been like a rough patch. And there's at least one win because that was one of the first wins in the 2016 season. Was it? Wow, at that's Louisville. a long time ago. Yeah, it really <laughs> was. Uh, so, what should we be expecting from from Birmingham in this match? Like, what is their bread and butter? Who are the guys that we should be watching? So it's kind of funny because um, we've kind of experimented a little bit more with a familiar formation that kind of looks a bit like a four-one-four-one. Um, kind of just allowing a bit more space. And really, I think with the recent um, loans that we've been able to get with the Revolution and with the crew, um, people like Wright, uh, 
Prosper. Those are really guys that have really allowed us to stretch. One of our favorite guys that we have is Daniel Johnson. He's a very creative midfielder. And even though we had those two losses, if you go back and look, he's kind of our guy that's been very creative in the middle, allowing a little bit more chances on ball for Hoffman. Um, But I think with the the introduction of Wright being up there in the front and kind of giving us an extra big body up there, that allows Hoffman to kind of be freed up a little bit more. Because with Prosper, right, I mean, Avila having an amazing, amazing pass to Prosper for the first goal, just being able to kind of get that first goal, we kind of noticed we're like, the guys are finally kind of settled down a little bit. We're actually able to spread the defense out a little bit more. And I think that's what you can kind of expect is that we're going to be very possession-based and um, really trying to pull the defense off of just handling Hoffman and kind of giving him extra weapons to spread the defense out with so that that's basically you're telling me what is going to help them win in your opinion what is something that they need to avoid uh, especially against the red bulls letting y'all have the ball in the offensive side honestly. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are dangerous <laughs> fair enough uh, no y'all like i said i mean with the new york red bulls organization y'all have a very aggressive offense and i really do 100 percent respect that and the New York Red Bulls, too, as well, is that it's very aggressive. And I really like that about y'all's play styles that you have up there. Um, that's something that we're definitely going to have to watch out for, though, is just that transition ball. Because a couple of times, Louisville's kind of caught us um, kind of sitting too far back on our heels. And we had the mistake, uh, Laurent. Uh, that was such a sickening own goal to see. Was, <laughs> I knew he was trying to deflect it. And I was in there, I watched the replay like three times. I was like, I know, I know you're trying to deflect that ball, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. It's rough, too, because our first team actually lost the game this past weekend due to an own goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's such a sickening it's feeling. It's horrible like, when it happens. <laughs> me and another guy, we were talking to each other. Whenever we saw that goal happen so late, we were just like, it was too good to be true. It's too good to be true to take three points out of There's no way we should have been able to. There goes all the momentum. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I could see that in the 81st minute just being like, well, here we go again. We've lost the first two matches. <laughs> well, and like I'm a Tottenham fan as well, so I'm already kind of a soccer fan on top of everything. So Fair. Very fair. I'm just like, okay, great. I have to deal with it in England, and now I have to deal with it in Birmingham. Here we go. It's a, It's okay. <laughs> All right, uh, we have two things before we, we're going to let you go. First, we're going to get your prediction uh, uh, for the match this coming weekend. So let us have it. What's the score? Oh, man. Uh, I'll say uh, a 2-2 draw. That would be, I, I think, a fair result at home. It would be the first points picked up at home against a dangerous offense. I think that, that would be great for you guys. Uh, second thing. And I forgot to mention this when uh, I was pre-interviewing you, but uh, we always do a lightning round with all of our guests. We ask a bunch of sort of silly questions. Uh, are uh, you ready? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Got to go with my Star Wars. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Unpopular. It's DC. I like it. I like them a little bit darker. Zelda or Mario? Oh, how dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll go on Zelda. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Um, (laughs) Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't, I can't lose with Harry Kane. (laughs) Last but not least, you're on death row. What would your final meal be? I'm an Alabama guy. I gotta say barbecue. Well, it's specifically, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say it would have to be pulled pork, mac and cheese, and uh, just regular baked beans. That would be a nice yeah, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die with comfort food. All right. I <laughs> probably got some real barbecue down there too, which is awesome. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, where can people follow you on uh, the social media sphere? Yeah, so we're Birmingham Backline. I mean, it's Beham Backline. Uh, that's going to be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
really just give us shout outs, hot takes. We always love good hot takes. So you can find us on there or you can find us at behambacklon.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you giving us the insight into what we're going to expect in Birmingham this weekend. And we wish you and the team nothing but luck uh, for the coming season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. And we come back. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper into that match and uh, we'll give you our own predictions. So stick around. And we're back with our final segment. We're going to preview the match against Birmingham Legion. And we're going to look at some of the news and stuff around USL. Uh, Primarily, our our segment last week on the standings, we're going to do the same thing this week and look at where everybody stands after three slash four matches played. But first, Birmingham Legion FC. They play at BBVA Compass Field in Birmingham, Alabama. They are 1-2-0 with a negative 2 goal differential. Uh, 0-2 at home. <laughs> Not a great start, uh, but uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Not the worst results for the new team. Uh, their one win on the road came against defending champions Louisville. They, they went behind early. Uh, but immediately clawed their way back in and went ahead. They were up 2-1 to one at the half. Gave up an own goal equalizer. We mentioned that uh, during our interview uh, in the 81st minute and then scored a winner in the 87th. Mwah, pitcher perfect. Can't, can't ask for anything better against a very difficult opponent on the road. Yes, Louisville has started slow this year, but that's still a, a really big win for them. And then they lost to Ottawa 1-0. Uh, similar to what we were talking about Memphis uh, last week, you know, they gave up an early, early goal and really just struggled to get back into that match. And then against um, Bethlehem Steel, uh, a bad set piece for them leads to their first goal and a shot from you know deep. You could make the argument that the D didn't close them down, but a really you know a well placed shot from outside is what beats them in that match. They're leaders in goals. They've only got three so far. <laughs> They're Ben Wright, Chandler Hoffman, and Prosper Kasim. Uh, Eric Avila, the former FC Dallas player, has two assists for them. And I said Ben Wright. It's Brian Wright. Jesus. <laughs> Brian oh, Wright yes. has uh, one assist for them. Matt Van Okel is playing in net for them. He was with the Real Monarchs two years ago. Did a great job there. Went to OKC Energy. Was shellacked because of a terrible defense. Uh, but not a bad guy. Uh, they scored their first goal of the season uh, last week in their win over Louisville uh, and have kind of struggled a little bit to score, but I don't think that they've necessarily looked like they're out of any of the matches that they played in. A quick stats rundown. We did this last week. It was super scientific uh, and very accurate. Uh, all of that was in quotes, of course. Tackle success. 72.9 for the Red Bulls. 71.1 for Birmingham. Duels won 52.6 for Red Bulls, 52.7 for Birmingham. Uh, Aerial duels 52.2 for Red Bulls, 48.8 for Birmingham. And goals conceded four for the Red Bulls, five for Birmingham. So defensively, those meaningful statistics point towards the Red Bulls. Distribution. We heard uh, during our interview uh, that Birmingham like to keep possession of the ball. 66.8% pass success for the Red Bulls, 72.5 for Birmingham. Uh, passes per 90, 417 for the Red Bulls, 393 for Birmingham. Accuracy in the attacking third, 61.5 to 66.9 uh, for Birmingham. Accuracy in their own half, 77.8 versus 80.7 for Birmingham. So, uh, distribution that leads towards Birmingham, but what we see is uh, they keep the ball very much in their own half as they advance forward. It gets a little bit dicey, but again, they're still finding their way, and they still haven't scored any goals at home. So I'm sure they'll be looking to do that this weekend. Any time that I've discounted a team's record at home or away, I've been you know putting my foot in my mouth and being really <laughs> wrong. So I'm not I'm not touching that one. Uh, in- hey, at least they're ahead of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Ooh, fighting words with Pittsburgh. You listening, Mike Sparks? We're coming for you. That's right, Mike Sparks. (laughs) Along with another uh, number of uh, guys and gals that cover Pittsburgh for uh, BGN.FM. In the attack, shots per match. 
or shots total 43 for red bulls 23 for birmingham shots on goal 24 for the red bulls 11 for birmingham so just really quickly the red bulls have more shots on goal than birmingham has total shots this season uh goals seven for the red bulls three for birmingham a conversion rate 16.3 percent to 13 percent again for the red bulls uh the Red Bulls minutes per goal, 38.6. Woo! That's really nice. And 90 minutes per goal uh, for Birmingham. The goals for Birmingham, all three of them from inside the box. Uh, there's not a lot of data to collect for either of these teams. Six inside the box for the Red Bulls, one outside of the box. We know that one was Marcus Epps. Uh, so in the attack, that points towards the Red Bulls. So having won two of those three stat categories... This obviously means the Red Bulls will definitely win, and there's no question about that uh, based on this very scientific data. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, give me your general impressions of Birmingham and uh, what you think we might see this weekend. Uh, Well, if they keep up the trends, hopefully they might score a goal for us. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's mean. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But, I mean, based upon what we've seen so far, you know, they went on the road and won, and it wasn't an easy win against one of the hardest teams in in the league. So I think that's going to give them some momentum to come back home with, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a rough game at home uh, based upon their their win last week. So my score prediction is going to be 2-1 with Red Bulls 2 winning. Now just for some context for Louisville, they have lost twice, 4-1 North Carolina FC, and three to two to Birmingham Legion. Their two wins came against Atlanta United two and Hartford. So, you know, maybe they're underperforming a little bit too. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Hartford's in last place. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of gave my impressions of Birmingham. I think that they're not a bad team. They're good at holding the ball. I don't think that's a great thing to try to do against the Red Bulls, unless they can very quickly switch fields uh, the way that Memphis did. They did a good job of, uh, of keeping it wide and really making the Red Bulls chase the match whenever they kept possession, but they decided to cede possession a lot, which I was a little confused about. Uh, overall, I think that, you know, even though this is on the road and even though I, the atmosphere that Birmingham uh, is going to bring should be intimidating, uh, they've had, you know, roughly four to 5,000 fans there for each of their first two home matches. I still really, really like what the Red Bulls are doing offensively. Um, yes, they struggled a little bit against Nashville, uh, but uh, they're proving that they could put up big numbers. If they're going to continue to play with this two forward system, it could be a little dicey, but they can outscore. Uh, and they did it against teams that I think are better than Birmingham. Not in a way that I think that, that Birmingham is terrible, but uh, Nashville, as I've said, I think is one of the best teams in the league, uh, despite their uh, you know struggles in their first three matches. They didn't really uh, look bad against any of the teams they played. Uh, but all that said, I think that the Red Bulls should be able to get a, a result on the road. It'll be nice to kind of shake the, the difficulties they've had on the road early in the season. And I think John Walnick and the team is really pushing to be able to do that. Bill, did you give me a score prediction? I did. I, I'm just going with Red Bulls 2 winning 2-1 uh, on okay. the road. Uh, yeah, I like that. I'm going to call it 2-1 as well. I'm going with what Bill says because he's more right than any of us. <laughs> okay, now we're going to move on to USL News. Colorado Springs switch back. They earn uh, Player of the Week through Abraham Rodriguez. Uh, he is a 16-year-old goalkeeper who started his first professional game this weekend. 11 saves tying a second highest single game save total of 2019 so far. Uh, And he was able to, well, get the the draw against Phoenix Rising FC, who we all know is a pretty darn good team. Way to go, 16-year-old Abraham Rodriguez. It's definitely not easy to come into uh, a pro life at such a young age and certainly not in goal. Uh, Great job. Keep it up, kid. El Paso Locomotive FC signs Jerome Kieswetter. Kieswetter? Kieswetter. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) (laughs) They have to have a pronunciation of that. Uh, Pronunciation. Uh, Anyway, he's a U.S. international. uh, uh, Maybe maybe that's even a little bit generous. He's had two caps with the national team. Uh, He... 
he's from the Hertha Berlin uh, Academy. He played with their two side and their one side briefly. He played with Stuttgart uh, briefly for both the two and one sides. And Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, both their two and one sides. In his 120 uh, appearances in the Bundesliga, he's got 13 goals. Not a great return, but I think coming back to USL should help him get some of his mojo back. He did well at the uh, youth levels for the USMNT, but kind of struggled a little bit after that. And let's see, we got a pronunciation? Kiesvetter. There we go. Kiesvetter. Uh, I'll I'll go with that. (laughs) All right. And let's take a look at the USL standings. We're going to just look at the top. Well, I guess we'll just do top 10 for each side. If I talk about everybody, it'll take forever. Uh, In the East, St. Louis still on top. Tampa Bay still right behind them with 10 and 8 points respectively. Then North Carolina FC and the New York Red Bulls 2 also in the the top four. Way to go. Uh, Indy 11, Louisville sort of tied for, well, not tied, tied in points, but fifth and sixth in the standings. Charleston Battery, then Atlanta United 2, Nashville SC, and Ottawa Fury rounding out the rest of the top 10. Probably the biggest surprise right now in that group is Atlanta United 2. Bill? Did I lose you? Sorry, almost. <laughs> My headset was cutting in. <laughs> I can't win tonight. Oh, boy. No, but Atlanta is definitely a shock because uh, I don't think anybody expected expected that to happen. Yeah, we don't uh, honestly we don't expect much against them. They had a nice three three draw with Charlotte. Maybe they'll start to use their two team in a little bit of a wiser way, uh, getting players from the uh, the first team who can't quite make it uh, just yet, and and utilizing them how they have not before. But they're, they're, look, they got a nice win over Hartford. They lost to Louisville. And 3-3 against Charlotte is nothing to shake a stick at. I think that uh, that they're doing real well for the early season. Out West? Whoa. What was that? My headset's uh, winning again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win. It's okay. Out West, uh, definitely a surprise up top. Tulsa Roughnecks, they are 3-1-1 one, one to start the season on 10 points. Then New Mexico United on nine, P- Portland Timbers, Colorado Spring Switchbacks, and Sacramento Republic all, oh wait, and OKC Energy all with seven points apiece. Then LA Galaxy 2, Tacoma Defiance, Reno 1868 with six points underneath them, and then Real Monarchs at 10th place with five. There are two other teams with five points that are sitting just behind them, Fresno and El Paso Locomotive. Uh, biggest surprise there has to still just be that Tulsa and OKC are both above the line after horrible seasons last year. Uh, it looks like uh, Oklahoma can enjoy <laughs> soccer this year. Yeah, Oklahoma is a team that uh, no one really ever thought would be up there, and especially after last season too. Yeah, and look, I mean, one of their wins came against Las Vegas Lights FC. <laughs> who are having a a rough time they got their first win this past week against the real monarchs but uh there was a bench clearing brawl in in that match (laughs) yes you heard that right not it wasn't baseball there was a bench clearing brawl um i'm not sure the fallout of it i only know that because uh, someone posted video of that uh but it seems like no one got a red card in any of it so (laughs) very interesting that's pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no red card. All yeah. right. That is it for our USL roundup. Uh, before we go, we've got a game coming up. What is it? Not this weekend. It's next weekend that they're they're at home uh, again? Let's see here. I'm pulling it up real quick. So let's see. Yep, we have Birmingham this weekend. And then after Birmingham, oh, we go to uh, – Charlotte on the 13th, right, and then Wednesday, right. April 17th, we play Hartford Athletic. At home. Wednesday night game, yep, at home yeah. in Montclair. That is- um, and kind of a funny note, too, I was up in Hartford over the weekend, Okay. and um, I was driving through, I think it was on Highway 91 up there, going back to like 84. Yeah, that makes I- sense. Oh, we lost you. <laughs> I, lo- I think that this could be your new uh, gag, Bill. That you could like start telling a story and then midway through your headset cuts out and then we don't get to hear the end of it. 
Uh, I'm going to wait for him to come back. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Uh, Wednesday, mm-hmm. April. Oh, I think he's back. Maybe not. Wednesday, April 17th, that match against Hartford. Uh, if you come and find us, we will get you stickers for Red Bull News Network and Raising Bulls. You know where we sit, right in the front of the press box. We're always there. Uh, you can always come up to us and talk to us. We enjoy talking to you, the fans, the people who listen to the show. I don't know if Bill's going to make it back on. It seems like his headset is dead. Like, like I said, that could be his new uh, gag, is that he's unable to to tell all of his stories and we're just left hanging. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. He is at Bill TNJ. If you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast, and that is all on Twitter. You can also follow our work at the Red Bulls News Network, rbnn.us, or RB News Network, also on Twitter. You can find us at facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com, where we post all of our episodes. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you get your audio. You can find us there. Stitcher. I didn't mention Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite podcast uh, service, let us know and we'll we'll figure out a way to get there. You can also find us at the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM. They've got a ton of great shows like the USL Show, Backyard Footy, The Last Line, Bethlehem Steel, uh, the Bethlehem Blast Furnace podcast, the Birmingham Backline. We had uh, their host on the show tonight. Back Chat. Uh, Serious Loco or Seriously Loco, Foxtrot, and so much more. They've got a ton of great podcasts and audio content at bgn.fm. Listen to them. They've got news from around the world and USL. You will love it. I promise. Uh, maybe I don't promise, but I do promise mostly. And of course, we're brought to you by <laughs> Roughneck Scarves. Uh, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get scars for custom scars for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Bill Toomey, Kyle Zayetz, and Glenn Stevens, thank you very much, and have a great night. Mm-hmm.